Wide open. Catch by Over the middle on a one-handed grab. Caught by Chase. Oh my goodness, what a grab. Double team. Higgins has got the ball. That's intercepted. Only someone like Brady and Evans can this actually be caught. Hello and welcome back to Secondary Sideline. I'm your host, Tar Gillespie, and this is episode four, week four and five. So right off the bat, I do want to apologize for not having an episode for you guys last week. It was just a crazy week and I don't even know, just so much going on. But it's okay because this week is going to have double the recap, double the fun, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear what I have to say about week four and five. So let's get into it. We have to start, though, with college football because I lost a bet to my cousin Brendan. Um, So he went to U of I, I don't know, probably 20 years ago. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I don't even know. Probably more like 10. But anyway, I don't know where I want to go to school next year, but Wisconsin-Madison is pretty high on my list, obviously because of the sports programs they have there and because their fan base is just unreal. And you might be surprised by that because of my hate for the Green Bay Packers, but that's neither here nor there. Anywho, um, the Illini are known for doing really well and then choking when it matters. Cue every single March Madness there's ever been. So I usually always take Wisconsin over Illinois. But on October 1st, I was humbled because U of I actually beat Wisconsin 34-10. to Wisconsin is currently 3-3 three and three and Illinois is currently 5-1. and one And the Illini are currently ranked 24, having one of their better seasons in years. Generally, I don't think Illinois is known as a football school and I don't think they ever have been. I think basketball has been their main focus for quite some time. However, this year I will give it to them. They are playing very well, and they just beat Iowa this week as well. But let's get into this game that I have to talk about. So the two teams were matching each other up pretty well for the most part in the first half. Illinois was winning 14-10, and Wisconsin had a pretty good chance of catching up. But then the second half completely shifted everyone's expectations, I think, and Illinois ended the game with 20 unanswered points on the board. So from what I've seen in interviews, the main difference this year to now is honestly confidence, which sounds like a cop-out, but I feel like there's definitely a shift in tone. The Illini knows their strengths now and went into Madison knowing that they had a chance to win and to beat them on Saturday. The Illini attributes their win to using Wisconsin's strength against them, which is obviously Wisconsin's physicality, and the Illini definitely use that to their advantage both on offense and defense. But definitely a good game from Illinois. I, I want to see... Where are these two teams go from here? Will Illinois keep their momentum or will Wisconsin make Champaign a stop on their revenge tour? Uh, hopefully I'll be in person to see it and then I'll give Brennan a nice long call when Wisconsin won next year. But that is it for college football. Here you go, Brennan. You're welcome. Moving on to week four, Thursday Night Football. You guys know I've been waiting to talk about this. Miami versus Cincinnati. Let's go. Tua Tungavailoa's injury brought up heavy controversy for the NFL because Tua was sacked in the game against the Bills, and then he was taken to the locker room for a concussion check. He was cleared by someone who no longer works at the facility. And then, this is the part where it got kind of confusing. He blamed his fall on a back injury because his back tightened up and it caused his fall and his dysfunction. But then when he played against Cincinnati, he took another hit by the Bengals' defense. This time, he was unable to respond or move for several minutes. And this is extremely scary because, like, him getting cleared for concussion when he shouldn't have been puts so much of his health at risk. And this is why the NFL is receiving so much scrutiny for the situation because there's a reason the NFL teaches quarterbacks to slide and they learn several safety precautions because the teams have an obligation to protect them. So Tua getting cleared for this concussion when he shouldn't have been was just like, just really looks bad on the NFL. 
Anywho, after Tua was carted off the field, the Bengals were able to score 16 unanswered points in the second half and won the game, ending Miami's undefeated run. The Cincinnati defense also played really well, two interceptions from safety Von Bell. There has also been some talk about Jamar Chase and how he really isn't meeting expectations because he had a great game in week one, but the past four haven't been really showing off his potential and what we've seen him do last year. And I think this is because people know Jamar now and they know his strengths. The defense is specifically focused on him. And last year, even though he played outstanding at LSU, he's kind of more like a secret weapon. And I, I feel like all rookies are kind of underlooked. And until a couple of weeks into his last season, no one was really focusing on him. He wasn't really the guy to watch out for. And now he is the main target. So every single defense is looking out for him, and the Bengals are trying to drive the ball down in different ways. So it makes sense that he isn't really getting as much catches as he did last year. But I kind of hope that the Bengals figured out a way to include him more because he really is just such a fun player to watch. And I I don't know, I just want to see more of him this year, and I think everyone else does too. Teddy Bridgewater filled in for Tua, but in Week 5, Bridgewater also received a concussion. So now rookie Skylar Thompson will be starting in Week 6. All right, moving on to our first game in London, Minnesota versus New Orleans. The biggest question of this game, I think, is what is going on with the Minnesota offense? They just seem so dysfunctional, and I think the most obvious problem being Kirk Cousins just not seeing open receivers multiple times. Like, in the third quarter, Justin Jefferson was wide open on a third and goal, and Cousins just didn't see it. And it's frustrating because, first of all, that touchdown would have put away the game. Second of all, why isn't Jefferson the first place that he's looking? Because Jefferson should be that offense's main focus, so it's just, like, confusing, but... I think I'm just so heated about this because Justin Jefferson's on my fantasy team and he definitely could have gotten a lot more points if Kirk Cousins just saw him like multiple times. But despite the noticeable struggles and lack of consistency on offense, the Vikings special teams and defense definitely made up for what they lacked. Now, I haven't really talked too much about the Saints this far because they haven't been looking too good this season with a losing streak from week two to week four. One guy I will give well-deserved attention to is Saints quarterback Marshawn Lattimore. I talked about him because he had a fight with Mike Evans, but he has been singled out with by receivers as being the guy who really does his part in stopping the offense in any way that he can. With that being said, though, in week five, he has endured an abdomen injury that will leave him out for week six against the Cincinnati Bengals, and we know how much how many weapons the Cincinnati Bengals has on their offense, so it's kind of upsetting that we won't be able to see the Saints defense in full action without Lattimore. All right, next on to the Packers versus the Patriots. So Patriots actually had their third string quarterback, Bailey Zappi. Um, honestly, he could have done a lot worse for being a third string quarterback, and he was still able to push, push the Packers into overtime. Now, someone asked me who I thought would win on Sunday, and I feel like in every single one of these situations, you always want to say the opposing side of the Packers, but you just never can because the Packers always, always do good in overtime or crunch time situations. I do think the real MVP of this game was the Patriots defense because with the state of the offense, this game could have looked a lot different without the defense's consistency. But even Bill Belichick was like, in the end, Rodgers can only make throws that he can make. He is just sometimes too good, especially in those situations, like I said. So, I mean, I wasn't really expecting a different outcome in overtime, but I was hoping for one. Now on to week five. So first of all, I would just like to point out I think you guys know this, but Prime Video is doing Thursday Night Football, and they are doing an unreal job. And it actually makes me want to watch Thursday Night Football more because it, I'm just a big fan of like the football edits and graphics that they use, and I think it hypes up the game so well. So shout out to Prime Video 
for taking it to the next level. And if you could get me on the field, that would be very greatly appreciated. All right, going back to the Packers versus the Giants in London week five. You guys know how excited I am to talk about this one because we just ended on a Packers win. Now we're going to go to a Packers loss. And the people in England now know the worst team in the United States of America, the Green Bay Packers. The Giants won 27-22, adding on their streak 3-0 of winning games in London and adding on to another win of their season this far in 2022. They're having a great season. Saquon Barkley played another great game, 70 yards rushing, 36 receiving. He does, though, have a questionable shoulder injury, but he is expected to return in Sunday's game. I think I, I talk about him quite a bit, but I think I was right about my prediction of him just going off this year. He is definitely the name you think of when you think of the Giants' offense, and I'm really excited how to see how he further progresses, assuming that everything with his shoulder is all good. The second half was pretty quiet on the Packers' side, and that's where the Giants were able to win the game. I will give credit to where credit is due, though. Aaron Jones was playing as well as he did on a sprained ankle. It just really showed his resilience. Also, if you were watching the game, there were a lot of Green Bay fans in the crowd, and it, I mean, usually because it's in London, you kind of it's kind of harder to point out which fans are there. But this was like definitely like you could tell a lot of people traveled from Wisconsin to watch this game. All right, let us go to the Bears Minnesota game. This was Justin Fields' best game during his time in Chicago, and the biggest thing that I noticed that he wasn't so willing to run at the site of pressure, which was something that he desperately needed to work on, and he clearly has from this game. I was happy with this performance because a lot of people were questioning his potential, and this game kind of put those comments to rest, but not if he doesn't keep it up. Like He has to continue to show us that he is improving and to continue to show us what he's capable of. With that being said, it was a pretty sad day in Chicago. The Bears had such good momentum when they needed it. A pick from Kendall Veldor gave the offense the ball around midfield, and this led to the first kind of big upset of the game. Justin Fields ran for an outstanding touchdown, and then it was called back due to a penalty. On that drive due to a field goal, though, they were still able to get the lead at 22-21 early in the fourth quarter. The Vikings then had a touchdown and a two-point conversion, leaving the Bears with only one opportunity to score on the last drive. This was so upsetting because there was a wild turnover. Amir Smith-Merced caught uh, the ball, and then Minnesota literally took the ball out of his hands. If you ever get the chance, go look at the video because I've never seen anything like this, but I honestly was not surprised because... It's such a Bears way to turn over the ball. But, like, I, it was just so wild to me. So that was that was the Bears Sunday. Not unusual, but I'm definitely excited to see Thursday Night Football against the Commanders. Moving on to Bengals versus the Ravens. I actually don't have too much to say about this one, which is shocking for a Bengals game, but three main things I want to touch on. One, Baltimore's kicker, unreal. Two, this game versus Baltimore versus last year's game versus Baltimore has a drastic difference. Third, the Bengals had an opportunity to score a touchdown, and they could have kicked the field goal, but they still went for it, which honestly wasn't a bad idea. They could have definitely carried out what they were trying to do. But the plays they called were just dumb. Like, I, okay, I didn't really know that much about, like, coaching, obviously. But even I was like, okay, why? Like, they could have called so much more simple things that would have done the job so much easier, but instead they were calling like these elaborate plays that just did not work in their favor at all. So that was just like upsetting. But the Bengals did lose by two points. Moving on to the Monday night game, the Chiefs versus the Raiders. Firstly, we got the four touchdowns from Travis Kelsey. Made me extremely happy because both Mahomes and Kelsey are on my fantasy football team. That's not even the highlight of the game in my opinion because the Chiefs were down... 
17 at a point. And if you watch the first half alone, you would think that the Raiders had the game. But no, the Chiefs blew them out at the very end, and it goes to show how good the Chiefs are under pressure and how good they can be when they need to be. Their third down efficiency in the second half was so much better than it was in the first. And I was watching this game on some streaming service, and it just replayed it after I watched it. And I just I just rewatched it because I was still amazed by how they are able to dig themselves out of the hole that they built. Now, lastly, the two other things that I want to touch on before we end this episode, they're kind of unrelated to week four and five, but I feel like I need to inform people of the tea. First, the day has come. Tom Brady and Giselle has officially hired divorce lawyers. And I don't know why, but for me, they're one of those celebrity couples that I just you always root for, kind of like Kim and Kanye. Like, they're probably terrible for each other, but I just always have rooted for them. And for those you don't know, apparently their split is due to the fact that he said he was retiring for good, for his, the good of his family. And then, as we know, he unretired. And I do understand her point because she gave up her career to help for him and to help watch their kids. But I also understand that he doesn't know life without football and doesn't want to give that up. So I need to know what side are you guys on? Either way, it's still so upsetting for me. I hope they can figure this out. Otherwise, I give up my podcast. Secondly, Rihanna is doing the Super Bowl halftime show. I am super excited to see her perform, but also there are rumors and like some confirmations that it was Taylor Swift, which would have been really cool to see, and then it turned out it was Rihanna. So let me guys let me know what you guys think about that as well. With all that being said, thank you so, so much for listening to episode four. As always, please let me know any feedback you have for me, and I hope to see you again really, really soon.